Hello there, good evening everyone, and welcome back to TapCalf Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast currently live on this YouTube channel and in your podcast feed. I am Corey, joined as always by Mr. Justin Eckhart's Ladder. How are you doing tonight, Justin? I'm well. You you can't say that we're the only ones reading this book because this book, after the Bad Batch teaser trailer for season three, is certainly at the top of minds of many, so I'm glad I finally got a chance to read it. Yeah, Christy Golden's really getting some residual checks this week. But uh, we got a special guest tonight who, as soon as he heard we were talking about Dark Disciple, said, I want to be on that podcast and has refused to leave ever since. I can't find the button to get rid of him. We have a return guest from last episode, I think it was Last Jedi? Heir to the Jedi. Heir to, Heir to the Jedi, yeah. whatever. Uh, we have Zach. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing good. I uh, I I'm glad I got to reread this book. I real I told you right before we got here. I realized that my copy of the book is missing, oh. so I might have to get a new one of those. Or luckily, I had the audiobook. So yeah, yeah. Was it, it captured? Good. Was it captured by Count Dooku repeatedly? Oh, probably. <laughs> Bad dude. Can't trust yeah. him. The controversial Twitter opinion these days, but I I have to agree. Justin, any thoughts on Count Dooku? You uh, you had Dooku I got a video fan? coming out today. I, I released a clip earlier today. Oh, good, good. Yeah. No, so, um, this is like, I mean, it, we might as well jump right into it because you mentioned it. My uh, my take and the take of most people is Dooku's not actually a good guy. Like, I remember the like the 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 clickbait Dooku article. It's gone around a million times. Why Dooku didn't have Sith eyes? And it's because oh, he wasn't actually a Sith. He wasn't actually a dark sider. He believed in what he was doing. You're like you're missing the point, as we'll discuss in today's book. But as is evident based in solely the movies, if you want to limit yourself to George Lucas material, Dooku's always been a bad dude. He just hides behind the facade of being a nobleman. Um. You know, he's you know who polite. else didn't have Sith eyes? Oh. Darth fucking Sidious. Mm-hmm. Until he decides to special fry himself. Like, yeah, I, I went back and watched a few key moments. Like, I was curious whether he had the Sith eyes when he was fighting Savage and uh, Maul during the Clone Wars, because that's, like, in that show, probably when he most, like, the most time he expends any energy. And really, it's the only time we see him kind of in his Sidious form doing things until the movie. And even then, he doesn't. Yet there is one scene in the Clone Wars um, where Dooku does, in fact, have Sith eyes. There are lots of scenes where it's like there's a lightsaber near him and it looks yellow, but there is one scene uh, when he's shocking uh, Savage, actually, when he's training Savage on, I think, Rax's, where he gets the Sith yellow eyes as he's as he's blasting him with lightning. Um, that'd be kind of yeah. crazy though if like the the Jedi had failed to find the Sith for a thousand years and all they had to do was basically like a teacher's spot check when high school kids are coming back in from lunch yeah, yeah like, exactly show me your eyes uh, I'm just high I'm, I'm not I'm not Sith <laughs> <laughs> what I did was I looked at the um, the original script for Attack of the Clones and in there because that uh, Obi-Wan interrogation scene was a late addition to the movie there's a scene where Padme and Anakin just kind of surrender to Dooku, and he fully threatens to kill <laughs> Kenobi, smiles like very sinisterly, and then uh, is trying to basically just con Padme into surrendering Naboo into an alliance with the Separatists. Yeah, it's like Dooku is so good. Apparently, he fil he fooled people who can like also see what he does later like that's the crazy thing <laughs> like i understand being fooled the first time when he's like oh my old friend there's been a great misunderstanding like okay maybe but then he puts your ass in the arena anyway like no well, there's another it's a really small detail that's hard to hard to catch the in the, movie. the whole clone wars well yeah because yeah. uh when Django says that uh that a man called tyrannus recruited him on the moons of bogdan that's count dooku guys he was he hates corruption, but he bought a whole fucking army for the Republic. And his it, name's it, Tyrannus. It's not it's not even on, subtext. Dog. Come it's on, dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, I thought it just meant he was a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Sith. <laughs> <laughs> He's got short arms. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was just such a dumb, dumb debate. Um, yeah, I, I I don't get that one. Um, I'm just trying to think. Of, I had another point that I wanted to make, but I'm sure at this point it's 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 redundant. Dooku's he's not a he's not a good dude. Um, and we get more of that in the Clone Wars. We get more of that in this book. Um, before we get started, though, I'm taking your job, Corey. Is there any Star Wars news or personal news or anything that you guys want to talk about before we hop into this uh, this book? I can't think of any. Uh, last thing that I know of is uh, Bad Batch is coming back, which that was yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's get started right into the book. Corey, do you want to set the uh, set the stage for it? Well, I was going to say that uh, this week I also was the guest on a Ion oh, yeah. podcast talking about uh, the prequels effect on the expanded universe. So people can check that out with uh, frequent tap calf commenter Joel Davis and emailer. Uh, so I oh, linked to that Joel, on the community page. Joel Davis's podcast. Yes. What's it so, called? Did you say? Ion Cannon is the oh, one I was that's, on. They have a whole podcast the... network over there. Oh, okay. So I didn't know check that, that out. I didn't know that was more of my voice. I didn't know that was the Joel. Yeah. Okay. But uh, how come I wasn't invited? I told them they were happier not talking to you. That's true. No. That is true. Well, so our our topic tonight is Dark Disciple by Christy Golden, which, as Justin has alluded to, is gaining a lot of traction right now. A lot of people doing rereads because of Ventress's appearance in the Bad Batch trailer, despite the fact that at the end of this book, spoiler alert, she does not be alive anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, that and uh, the possibilities for how she returned, how big of a stretch is it that she returns, uh, and... Yeah. So, any any opening thoughts before we get into the? Yeah, I'll I'll just note as well. Um, you'll see when you read the book uh, that it's it's Christy Golden and uh, Katie Lucas because this is an adaptation of a canceled Clone Wars arc, and boy, at times does it really feel like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, we'll get into that, but just know that. I'm I'm guessing they had a general plan and they expanded on parts and maybe cut parts back, uh, but we're left with the novel here, released in 2015, I believe. It's actually one of the earlier Star Wars canon novels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was the um. This was the third canon novel I read oh, after okay. uh, Lost Stars and Aftermath, which I think is why I had such a fond memory of it because mm-hmm. Aftermath is so like meh. But also, this was the only novel I had really read up to that point, and kind of afterwards for uh, canon novels for the most part that really advanced characters. Because even like aftermath was kind of <laughs> just the it, it's not it just this is the only novel I'd read up to that. Point. No, this is my first book. Uh, ever. I get what I you meant, Zach. It's just I've read two. I've read two books: Dark Disciple <laughs> and the Bible. Just if we had Charlie on as a guest, I could picture him saying that as a, as a real opening. <laughs> I've read two books: the 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 uh, pocket guide for Mario sixty four and Dark Disciple. <laughs> but but um, I, I think it, the reason I did like it was because it is the only canon book that I really read up to that point that advanced the story because everything else was really like handicapped by Force Awakens not coming out yet, and they wanted to keep so much of it a secret still. Yeah. Yeah, so the the premise of the book or the general plot outline for those of you who haven't read it yet is that the Jedi have decided that the way to end the war is to kill Count Dooku. And to do this, they're going to send a little Jedi named Quinlan Voss to assassinate him because they figure, eh, it's probably not that bad if he does it. Uh, and the the way that they think this needs to be done is to have him team up with someone who has failed at killing Dooku before namely Asajj Ventress. So Quinlan, in the first section of the book, is trying to gain the trust of Asajj. Uh, Then you have a little escapade by them to try to kill Dooku. And then you have three more escapades to try to kill Dooku. 
because people keep getting captured and then released and then captured and released. Are they double agents? Are they? Yeah. Yeah. I will say the beginning of this book I thought was excellent. Um, You mentioned Lost Stars. Uh, It wasn't quite as good as Lost Stars, but like when I was one third into the book, I was like, man, I really, really like this. I'm like, this is going for an A for me. Like, I I get what Zach is saying. Um, Because the beginning of the book is really exploring the 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 characters of quinlan and asajj asajj i thought the beginning third of the book did just a phenomenal job with she's been someone who's been essentially discarded and used her whole life um she's used again or venture not ventress um quinlan comes into her life and tries to essentially use her in the exact same way which i was kind of disappointed they didn't um touch on more um and then after that, the book, in my opinion, just completely falls apart. Yeah. Um, like the first third of this book, if they had spread that material and expanded it and put it over the entire novel so that the book ended with that first confrontation with Dooku, I think it would have been great. But instead, this is like a Clone Wars episode or like a Clone Wars arc. And I mean that in a derogatory way where they capture Dooku, Dooku escapes. They sneak onto Dooku's ship in a shuttle somehow. Like, you know how easy it'd be to kill Dooku? Put a bomb in the shuttle and blow it up. Dooku, there are three points in this book where Dooku is captured and could easily be killed by at least seven different characters. But before we get into that, though, Zach... uh, Bosk has Dooku at at gunpoint and just doesn't shoot him. Oh, yeah, they go to the Moss Eisley Cantina, by the way. Just... Why not? Yeah. But Zach, uh, since you were so so high in the book when we mentioned we were reading it, did do you have the same opinion now, or have you? Yeah, I've definitely I, I've I've soured on the book a little bit just getting back into it because, like Justin said, the first third of it is so strong, it's and I think you can absolutely tell which parts of the book were originally in the script for the Clone Wars episodes yeah. and which part they added on to, especially if you read Inferno Squad. Because it's it's so indicative of Christy Golden's writing style, which parts were just additions she wanted to make. Yeah, like Clone Wars, they have all the same bounty hunters who are always in the Clone Wars. They've got a scene where Anakin and Obi-Wan are literally sitting under a table watching Dooku uh, duel with, uh, with Quinlan. They've got, you know, like I said, sneaking on the shuttles. And then they've got the beginning of the book where it's like an interesting look at Quinlan. Quinlan's an interesting Jedi because he does a lot of undercover stuff despite having a massive yellow fuck off tattoo across his face. Um, he, he He's like, the only and, Jedi with social skills is basically what it comes down and to. And dreadlocks. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I But uh, rereading the book, what do you think about... Yoda and Mace Windu just basically being like, you know what? We're okay with an assassination at this point. I think, I mean, I, I, I guess that's kind of the point, but the Jedi in this book were so off. Yeah, they were. Um, uh, Corey, well, you look like you want to talk, so I'll let you. The, when they get to, so after Quinlan's first or second capture by Dooku, when he comes back, the Jedi aren't trusting him. Ventress is saying like, oh, he's definitely dark side. You all need to listen to me. No one, the Jedi are like, nah, he's he's cool. But then Quinlan like phones in their activities to Dooku, which ruins a few missions. So the Jedi's plan to see if Dooku or if Quinlan is good or not is to send him after Dooku. And their 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 metric for this, for whether they should kill Quinlan as well, because Anakin and Obi-Wan are just following him in to do that, is seeing, okay, if he kills Dooku. That means he's on the light side. It's like in episode six when Palpatine says, strike me down and your journey to the dark side will never happen because that's a totally Gucci act. <laughs> yeah, they they set Quinlan up to fail a million times. And every anytime something goes slightly wrong, just kill him. Yeah. Kill everybody. Mace Windu's like, like Asajj is there and uh, just kill her too. Like, she hasn't done anything. Like, she's actively been helping us. This whole uh, Clone Wars arc doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Just kill her anyway. And then at the end, Obi-Wan gives this speech where, like, he's like, uh, the real f- friends we met along the way were not executing Jedi. Yeah. And Yoda's like, 
Very wise you are. Like, yeah, don't execute Jedi, probably. I will say, I do like that they make Obi-Wan the voice of reason. I'm yeah, like, like yeah, of course, of course he knows what's going on. But also, it, it seems like Yoda is kind of tuned in, where he's just like, yeah, Mace Windu, show your, show your true colors. Show that you yeah. want to, to kill people and tap into the dark side. Oh, yeah. Ma Mace is like, Mace gets like a bad sandwich at Tim Hortons, and he's like, we must consider executing the subway worker. <laughs> Man, Tim Hortons fucks up, and the subway worker's got to pay. That's... That's Did crazy. I say Tim Hortons? Oh shit! You said Tim Hortons at first, but oh, like, I, as much as I enjoyed the first half of the book, it was like I, it did feel a little bit rushed. Like they they were really just going through stuff, and a lot of yeah. the feelings between Quinlan and Asajj and what they were doing felt unearned. And I think the way that individual scenes were handled kind of makes up for it a bit because Golden is just a stronger writer than kind of what she had to cram into the book. But it still felt like they were going from scene to scene of like, oh, we just met, but also now we're kind of in love. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mind how they fell in love. Yeah, um, it happens over a period of months. So I, I was like, I was buying into that because you get two people in a room long enough. They're they're going to start getting attached to one another romantically or not. I just like they they have all these the missions they talk about where they're bounty hunting and like where he's gaining her trust. The book should have just been that. And then the midway point should have been them falling in love and then end with a mission towards Dooku. Yeah. Instead, the first mission to try to kill Dooku happens like, um, I don't know, maybe a third or half the way through the book. <clears throat> yeah, by page like 120, they're at his uh, his fortress on Raxus Secundus. And then from that point on, <clears throat> the relationship between Asajj uh, and um, Quinlan, it doesn't develop at all. Because mm -hmm. from that point on until the last maybe 25 pages, you never really know what's going on with Quinlan. Um, because Asajj knows he's not quite right. The Jedi, like, you're not sure as the reader whether he's actively working with Dooku, against Dooku. Like, you know, there's something going on, obviously, because they're not yeah. going to drop that hint otherwise. And their relationship doesn't develop at all. Um, and it's just so disappointing. Like, that's why, again, like Lost Stars, Zach, you've read it, right? Yeah. Like Lost Stars to me handles the, it. It's interesting because it's kind of in a, a similar way. It's kind of written in a similar way, but the execution is a million times better where they fall in love uh, and then they have to split because one goes with the Empire, one goes with the Rebels. Um, but their relationship continues to develop, like sometimes against their will um, until it kind of comes to this uh, explosive uh, conclusion. But like it, continues to develop they continue to think about each other with um with quinlan and Asajj in this book it's like they're just thinking about those things that happen there's no actual yeah. change in their relationship it's just a hope to get back to what it was and another big problem with that sorry i know i'm rambling is quinlan like we're not sure what's going on and at the end he reveals yeah no i still loved you but his excuse for not just leaving and running away with her makes no goddamn sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't buy his his turn to the dark side at all. Like it, it's it, it's so quick, and I hate it. As soon as as soon as he's just like, yeah, no, I was just I was just faking it the whole time. It's like, well, yeah. it, it didn't. Go ahead. Sorry, Corey. What were you saying? No, you keep keep. No, I I was kind of done. <laughs> Well, that's the that's the main thing I mean with it feeling rushed is like my notes on basically every time he's going to the dark side in the first half is just that it's unearned because like she brings him to Dathomir. There's there's a, a good chunk where they're like, he's just stalking her. They do the bounty hunting and whatever. And then very quickly it goes from they're OK with being partners now to she has convinced him that he needs to use the force to kill and he's just on the dark side. And they can turn that on and off. But it's it made me think of like the the stuff in Trader where like the whole point is that the dark side is just this ref like it is what you are doing, and I think the way that this book takes it is more in the the dark side is a thing you are on or off, and it kind of reflects the political realities of the galaxy or whatever. So like Quinlan goes dark side, which means the dark side has control of him as this separate thing. He's not Quinlan anymore with his own motivations. And that also means he's naturally going to align with Dooku, even though like nothing about what 
Like, even with just Anakin's fall, he's not going to immediately say, oh, well, I'm on the dark side now. I want to work with Dooku. That's why Palpatine had to manipulate him for so many years. Yeah, and it's just like... It's just frustrating that you can never really understand what the conflict is throughout the last third, like why he's not leaving. He just keeps saying, and like it's part of, part of the point is he just keeps writing Ventress off, like, oh, I'll tell you when I can tell you. Tell and, like, me later, babe. Yeah, exactly. And that's frustrating to her, but it's also frustrating to us, the reader. And his explanation at the end is, I, you've never had a stable life. I wanted to provide that to you. Like, you made a billion dollars while you were bounty hunting. Like, do that yeah. for a year and you'll be fine. Like, yeah. it's it's just it's it's very frustrating because, like, I like the fact that it reminds me of a Clone Wars episode. Like, in that I, I thought they did a great job with Obi Wan and Anakin. Um, most of the, I mean, I talked about some of the issues I had with the Jedi, but it also has like every single thing I hate about the Clone Wars, where it's just action and movement for the sake of movement, like. The, the scene where they break onto the ships, it happens, I think, on two or three separate occasions. And it's so fucking dumb that, like, it's just they're just doing this to do something. The book is just treading water. Yeah. It does that over and over again. Like, it's, it's like, you know, like, this isn't going to work because, you know, Dooku shows up in Revenge of the Sith. But also, yes. it, on top of that, it's like you can have an interesting story about that motivation and have it not to come to fruition at some point. But when they do so much of the, like Corey said, getting captured three times in a row, like it, yeah. it just doesn't work out correctly. It, it turns an interesting idea really bland and repetitive. Yeah, it's like, it's just, it's, it, it, the Clone Wars, you know, it, it has to, it, it's a ch children's television show at the end of the day. Like, it, yes, adults can watch it, and I enjoy it sometimes. Um, but like at the end of the day, it is a children's television show and it's a show that has 20 episodes or whatever a season. So it's got filler. You've got this story where things happen because they need to get five or four episodes out of the arc, breaking onto the cruisers, the mission to the asteroid base, all these things that are super inconsequential. Um, you need that for the show. You don't need that for the book. There's no reason to keep, to keep the structure of the, the story as it was, because, like, when you're watching the Clone Wars, you know, there's the tone of it all. It's animated. It is a little bit silly. So them flying, like, they just straight up, there's this massive Separatist fleet. They just fly a ship onto, onto the flagship. And, like, that's what they do several times to get to Dooku. Mm -hmm. That's kind of works in the Clone Wars. But in a book, it's just like, could you not have done it a, in a better way? You're not limited like you are. Like the Clone Wars, half the half the time it was kids eating their fucking lunchables after school, watching it like while coloring or something. And I, that's me too. So like, you could have elevated it a bit. Yeah, I thought the adult elements were super tacked on to the story too. Like the Ventress uh, becoming an alcoholic after Voss disappears. <laughs> yeah, I do find it funny how like. When when um, Quinlan is pretending to be drunk, he takes like two drinks and uh, and like that's good for him. Wow, gosh, <laughs> I think I'm feeling like <laughs> yeah, I did get it. It was a little funny that like all the all the other characters seem to have nothing else going on. So yeah. Anakin and Obi Wan are just hanging around the council chamber all the time, waiting for news about Quinlan. Oh, Anakin yeah. was super out of character in this. He he was he was more Episode Two Anakin than like Clone Wars era Anakin. I thought. You know, I got a lot of Clone Wars Anakin vibes off of him. Like the character Anakin and Obi Wan both felt very Clone Wars. Obi Wan did, but Anakin. It, it, I think it was specifically that scene with Padme where he's just like, oh. I can't understand why why you mean when Ventress... I describing her as petite and small. Yeah, that. I feel like that was probably added. That was probably one of the added ones. I don't know, but just yeah, they, like, they described her hands as small and him as large. Like, yeah, I, I feel like they took it off like a they took it off like a a forum for what's it called? Um, like smut and like removed every reference to veiny cock and replaced it with like forehead <laughs> or back or whatever else. His throbbing lightsaber. <laughs> Fan fiction. I don't know why. I don't know why I forgot that word for a second. 
I, I think the character that felt most out of character to me in the book was Dooku. And like I think so much of that comes from the fact that like you have to write him as someone who's basically at someone else's mercy the entire time. Like yeah. having him be this is the guy we need to take out to save the galaxy. But also like Boba and his band of happy little mercenaries take him out off screen. He's nearly shot by a bounty hunter. And then he ends up uh, captured like, in a net. Yeah, like he he's Quinlan could have killed him at that point. And then uh, he ends up cap like Quinlan wins the fight with him on the ship, doesn't kill him then. He's held captive by the Republic, don't kill him then. And then he's like injured after Ventress crashes the fighter and has to yeah. get dragged around by shot. Ventress and Voss. He's just being rude to like Quinlan's got this plan that he's gonna save, like, this is how him and Ventress get out on their own in the galaxy. Meanwhile, Dooku's just talking just mad shit about Ventress the entire time, so unnecessarily. And Quinn's like, no, this is this is good for her. She's gonna be okay with this. Um Yeah. What do you think is worse? Um Dooku being captured in his own crib, surrounded by his homies, by the uh by the the bounty hunters when he could have just stayed inside, or uh, Grievous that time he got captured by the Gungans in the Clone Wars. I was just thinking about worse. that. The uh, Gungans, yeah. the boomers, they got they're like EMP grenades. That is yeah. his that's his hard counter. If he's in a game, that's his hard counter. That is true. I can't blame him for that. I, I just hated how quickly in that that arc they were just like, Grievous is captured. Never mind, release him. Yeah, just, like like I'm sorry. If 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 I'm a if I'm a clone and I capture Count Duke, I'm gonna fucking execute him. Yeah. I'm just gonna do it. Like <laughs> I don't know. You killed it's a lot always, of my brothers. It's always hard to take like the the moralizing about not killing Count Dooku when like they're just slaying tons of people on the way to him every time. It's like no, he is special. So it's oh like we need to think about this more. Only arrest him. Yeah, that's like uh, you know, Luke has that issue. We've talked about this before with Luke in the post Endor era, where mm-hmm. he will murder without second thought a thousand stormtroopers and then he'll disarm a dark jedi and be like now's your chance repent it's like you didn't give that stormtrooper who's probably fucking conscripted at age three the chance to repent you just hacked his fucking head off not based (laughs) uh i had a question for you but i don't remember I'm, i'm gonna look at my notes um Oh, do you guys think uh, Quinlan Voss will turn up in Bad Batch Season 3? Or do you think he'll show up somewhere else like Jedi, uh, Survivor, Sequel, or somewhere else down the line? Hmm. That's a good question. I, like Canonically, the, the he's still why, alive. The, yeah, so the reason why... I mean, this is going to be obvious. If this were just a book... I think they'd probably ignore it. But the fact that this was initially Clone Wars material makes me think we could get Quinlan Voss in the Bad Batch. I think fans would really want it to because he is a, a lesser known fan favorite. Yeah. And like the way I see it, um, you know, I, I don't know whoever, I don't know who's directing, like who controls the direction of the bad batch whether it's dave filoni or someone else but like when it is someone else um i I feel like they've got this internal storyline for these characters um you know bad batch rebels clone wars they're all kind of the same thing obviously they don't have it all set up but they, they kind of go along with it um so like i think the the quinlan voss asajj angle was something that they always had kind of in her character or planned for her or like set aside like so i would i wouldn't be shocked to see to see him in the in the show or referenced at some point yeah i think like quinlan's one of the characters that's definitely gonna turn up somewhere like there's the obi-wan mention of him like we know he's around still he made it right he's mentioned in episode three yeah like he's uh on boss pity yeah yeah so the boss says whatever on boss pity quinlan was here (laughs) but 
Don't call me that. I'm sorry, I can't can't take this book seriously because I just fucking massage his voice and everything. I love it. Well, yeah, you guys were doing the. uh, And as Joel points out, Jennifer Corbett is the showrunner on Bad Batch. Um, I I love you, Quinlan. I think that's part of Dave like handing over some of those other projects. Like, I think Jennifer Corbett's been the main voice behind Bad Batch since that started. I don't know that Dave is even really involved at all. Uh, Mm. But. Like, I I don't know if we'll have Quinlan with Ventress in the Bad Batch, but I think Ventress will be, like, she's got her yellow lightsaber, and I, it was kind of weird how everyone was talking, like, oh, well, Ventress beat the dark side. Even she's though got her hair, too. Not a Sith. Mm-hmm. She's still very much using the dark side. But she's, she's a bad bitch no matter well, what. That's what I think is interesting about her character. She's kind of like the counter Ahsoka in a way. Mm-hmm. Started off on a well, kind of like loose Jedi Sith path and then mm-hmm. just strayed away from um, both the orders. Yeah. Well, she's a she's a night sister, so she gets kind of a pass on using the dark side. So it's kind of OK for them when they do it. But <laughs> Obi Wan said, or uh, Quinlan told Obi Wan that he's like, "Nah, it's chill when they do it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Dude, that's you can't say that about the dark side here. That's racist." <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I, I think it is okay here. But what do you guys actually think? Since we we're kind of there now, is uh, so Ventress does die saving Quinlan when Dooku from the floor decides to blast him across the room with Force Lightning, the most powerful Force Lightning that anyone's ever seen. And Ventress takes it, pushing Quinn out of the way, snapping him out of his dark side urges. Uh, but unfortunately, it does kill her. They do use the words dead repeatedly. But Obi-Wan and Quinlan take her body to Dathomir and dump her in, not dump her. It's a bit more ceremonious than that. They, they <laughs> lower her shoulder and he just drops <laughs> her into the fucking lake. Into it's the, like, into the like water pond, there's like our little runoff, uh, like one of those little pipes, like toxic sludge. Like, oh, it's great. It's Night Sister magic. It's like there's a nuclear plant just upstream. <laughs> it's the three-eyed fish from the Simpsons. Yes, Quinlan. Night Sister magic. Don't look that way. <laughs> Maybe it's best if you don't see this. But yeah, so he, he drops her in the water, and it starts glowing. Like, the water of life starts glowing green. And you can take that as, oh, the Night Sisters are reclaiming their, their last sister. It's It's all ogre for her. But what do you what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it's probably meant to be. I, I don't know if it's meant to be ambiguous or not, but I definitely took it pretty clearly as her dying. And, you know, the Night Sisters say, like, come join us or like sister, or, like, you know, to me, it's always been pretty ambiguous. But also the with the Night Sisters, you know, you you have that out in case a character ever dies or is near death. Yeah. Like my maybe controversial take is that they could say nothing about the fact that she was dead in the show. And I think there's enough to go off of in this book, knowing what we know about the Night Sisters and like Maul's return, that we have enough information for it to be reasonable that like this happened, glowing green, she's back. Like I I'd be perfectly fine with that as an unstated reason that she's back. I don't think it's quite the same as if she's like smeared across the floor on Christophsis and the last time we see her, a janitor with a mop is putting her in a bucket. Like I think this is as far as Star Wars returns go, fairly reasonable. Yeah, yeah it's not like her head was cut off or something. Yeah. Like she was killed by the dark side. It was just dark side stuff that happened to her. So maybe there's like a an added connection there. She had like the scars. And didn't even didn't even it even say something about the the scars going away when he put yeah they were like faded or something it said yeah so yeah no, I, I'm I understand why people think that it could be a clone but also got the she's got people the same hair it. same lightsaber it she's just back to life what if it was a flashback all the all the Clone Wars. Like all the Bad Batch scenes are just random flashbacks of interest. Have we seen flashbacks in the Bad Batch? Well, yet? all I'm saying is we don't see her with anybody else. It could be it could be a clever cut 
because they don't want to show us whose side she's on, even though like she's going to be training Omega. You think that's a good? No, oh, yeah. I, I think it's going to be Padawan that. Omega. Hmm. I like that. I like that theory. Yeah. No, do you hmm. think it's going to tie into uh, the Night Sister stuff we saw in Ahsoka at all? I mean. They are kind of, you know, Mount Tantis is a big Thrawn thing from the Expanded Universe. It hasn't yet been directly connected to him in canon. Uh, I assume that's coming at some point, so it would make sense. Like, the the Night Sisters are kind of the common denominator there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- the idea for Ventress to come back in something has been around for a while, because Resistance is going to have her... But, like, yeah. since Filoni wanted to bring her back for both of those things... And Ahsoka is kind of Filoni's current big thing. Like the idea of Filoni using Ventress is not really that far fetched to me. Yeah. Where, like, I because the I think a lot of people, myself included, would have been thinking like, "Oh, Night Sisters, Marin," but no, it's going to be Night Sisters Ventress. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Big fan of the, the new look, though. I, I think it, it works for Ventress. Looks less like a snake. Just anytime he's like talking about how beautiful she is, all I'm thinking back is that scene where she fights Anakin on the Masasi Temple in the 2003 <laughs> Clone Wars, where she looks like a fucking demon. She's <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. She turns around, she doesn't even have pupils. <laughs> well, wasn't she based on like unused concept art for Maul? Yeah, I think she's like female Maul, kind of. Or I think I think she, maybe it was female episode two villain. Oh, okay. I I can't remember for sure though. Yeah, she's she's a sp- she's a spooky gal, like Harry corpse like. It'd <laughs> yeah. be nice to see her and her and Marin get together at some point. Not get together. I mean, Marin would like that as well. But the she's with Cal now, so she can't be doing that. But. As the the two remaining Night Sisters, I I'd, I'd hope they're both involved in Night Sister related stories, but I feel like Ventress is probably the main one to be, especially when Filoni's running those stories. And which I, is a I, I shame because like they've got a very nice planet where Ventress could go hide and start a new life, all ready for her. Yeah. Wow. I'd I'd like to see uh, Ventress come back, maybe interact with Ahsoka in some way later on. I think that would be a cool dynamic to reintroduce. I want to see her in live action just because I'm so curious what they'd make her look like. Less if they get like Marin's voice it. actress to play her, that could work. <laughs> she looked like live action her would kind of just look like Marin in some ways. Just different haircut. Yeah. They're all kind of spooky, I guess. <laughs> Eastern European. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean Night Sisters. <laughs> Ask Gilkin. It's where half of my family's from, so I can play Ventress. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> you, be in, you could Ilkin be like a knight, brother. Uh, you could be one of the the uh, what's it called the the brothers, the, one of the corpses on the ground, if you wanted. Mm. So all that that is one of the the questions about Dathomir of like all the night sisters like all the the women are like human night sisters and all the men are Zabrax. Yeah. So just there's some logistics there that I'm not sure I understand. I'd like to learn more. Yeah, it's definitely one of those we we still got to do some catching up with Maul in between uh end of Clone Wars and Solo. It's true. Maybe he'll show up in Bad Batch season three. Who knows? He could. There's no reason. Well, he's it, just sad on Tatooine. I feel like we're well, good with him. Isn't he? Isn't he he's, stuck? Well, he's stuck, isn't he? Right now, or how long is he stuck on um, Malakor? Not yet, I guess. No, not, not yet. That it, no, after Solo, Rebels, and then oh, right after Solo, yeah. Well, yeah. between Solo and Rebels, I guess at yeah. some point after Solo, he gets stuck on Malakor. Yeah, right. but that's not even that long of a period. No, is he there for like a year or like like months or it's like six years years in between Solo and Rebels, isn't it? We don't exactly know why he's there, do we? I don't think it's even that long between Solo and and when Maul shows up in Rebels. 
because it's end. But it's of pretty long. Two. It's ten years, and Rebels is like one year, so it's like nine years, right? I thought it was like five years is when five BBY is when Rebels started. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the events because the the liberation of Lothal I think is like a year before the Battle of Yavin. And I, I kind of think season three is like a year before that. Yeah, because there's a there's a time jump between season yes. two and three, right? Solo's only set in ten BBY. Yeah, so it's like it's like eight or nine years between Solo and Rebels season three. Doesn't he show up earlier than that? I guess not. No, or is it season, season two? two. I, can't, I can't remember if it's season it, three or it, season it's two. It's the final episode of season two. Right. Right, because then there's a time jump after Kanan gets blinded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But either way, it's it's still like it's like seven ish years. But we don't know if he was on Malachor the whole time. Obviously, he had other things to do. Um, but f- for some reason, he went to Malachor. We don't know why. Hmm. Well, uh, any more thoughts directly related to Dark Disciple? Yoda is, I, I think Yoda is the worst character in this book. Like worst characterization. I think the yeah Yoda is. I think the characterization is good for Yoda, but I think the like the speech, like the way his dialogue is written, is un Yoda y. It's oh, like yeah. a poor did, approximation of what you'd think Yoda dialogue would be. Did we say that while we were recording, or we were, was that we, that we was just us about? Before. Okay, but also in the audiobook, Mark Thompson doing a Yoda impression is awful. You should never do that again. Well, he does a really good job with Ventress, though. <laughs> yeah, God bless him. I don't know how he does it. His uh, his Mace Windu. I don't know. There was one character. He's got like a few really distinct voices, and one of them had his Han Solo voice. It was just like it, it threw me off. Um, one thing that I marked down was that uh, Dooku gets the humanitarian award, like human human humanitarian. Yeah. He's in the Confederacy. It's like all aliens, you know, giving them a humanitarian like well, human. There's the there's the the highfalutin society on Raxus and stuff. There's a lot of humans out in the CIS. The weird part to me about that was that Grievous was at this fancy dinner. Did he have a little tie on? I hope so. He was yeah, just over his, uh... his beating heart and just nudges the the tie out every time. He, he broke out the the fancy cape. <laughs> fancy cape. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot he wears a cape. Hacking all over his neighbor's dinner throughout. <laughs> that looks delicious. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to think about how Grievous eats. He, yeah, he just gets like a, a nutra sack attached to him every night. They swap out his stomach or something. Uh, you're on sack duty today. I don't <laughs> want to. You fuck up. He just throws you out of an airlock. I think he's got little kidneys, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's got like his whole digestive tract. That's basically yeah. all that survived. Little little kidneys. What that like at that point? What are you? What are you maintaining that for? Why keep yeah. any of those parts? The brain, sure. Maybe the he heart, just needs them. Eh. It's the the only joy. Science isn't there yet. Gets. The science isn't is there very yet. clearly there. Not there yet. Just I, I'll have a lot of notes for rebuilding Grievous. Science isn't there yet, Corey. NK, NK like some scrappers on Mustafar were able to do it with NK. The science for Grievous isn't there yet. I don't know what to You're tell trying you. to wave she goes bud me right now, and I don't appreciate the it. The science isn't there. For the Kalish or whatever race Grievous is, I can't remember. Yeah, you got it. Kalish. Kalish. Okay. Go me. Kaiman Jai Shalil, as his friends call him. I was pleasantly surprised by the uh, the bounty hunters who do show up in this, though. Like, when Boba Fett shows up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't... It like really... is the Clone Wars crew. Like, yeah. there's yeah. that one girl I forget her name, and I'm like, oh, who the fuck is that? I'm like, oh, oh the purple one. Okay, <laughs> yeah. the purple one from the Clone Wars. <laughs> well, I, when I was reading it, I was wondering, like, wait, when were these episodes written? Would this have tied into um thirteen thirteen in some way? Hmm. Like, could I, it have been question. some level of setup for that? They do go to specifically level thirteen thirteen a lot. I'm guessing yeah. maybe. Um. Because that was 2012-ish? Yeah, so it probably would have been 
Yeah, I, I'm gonna guess yeah, or like the if not that specifically, like thirteen thirteen as an idea was probably um or like as an important level that they're gonna return to was probably identified because like they do go there in uh, I think season seven, right? Isn't that where Ahsoka goes? To thirteen thirteen and uh Trace I don't and Rafa? remember if they specifically I think they do call do it they? out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gets a few references in a few places, really. Like it's a fairly popular level, specifically. So it's 1,300 levels from the top. 4,000 from the bottom, I think they say. Uh, did they say that? Did they say the opposite? Because mm-hmm. I would always, I was always thinking about it as 1,313 down, but it was like 1,313 up, and that surprised me, I'm pretty sure. Thirteen thirteen mm. up would make sense because it's not oh, yeah. negative thirteen thirteen. One thousand three hundred and thirteen levels from the core. Four thousand yeah. on top of it. I think they said, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of planet. It is a lot of planet. And that's like the base, right? Then you've got like the spires on like the taller buildings. Because yeah. like the way I always imagined it is like you've got like kind of the like in the Phantom Menace, especially before they had like this full special effects, you kind of just see like a flat cityscape everywhere. Yeah, the works. And then, so I kind of imagine that's like level zero. And then you got like the towers, which are in the positives. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if the, even the, the towers would go up from there too. Yeah. That's what I mean. So oh, like, okay. you'd have level zero and then like level 2000. So you could have like, zero 6, is probably 000. where the Senate is realistically. Yeah, and then, right. Like the areas in the works that are like the flat areas. Yeah, that's probably down a bit, but still yeah, relatively high. So the planet can hold way more than a fucking zero. trillion people. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's the well. They always say they actually talk about this in in uh, Trader, I think, Corey. Yeah, where where they were like the number is a trillion, but it could be anywhere to like yeah. ten trillion. It's like it, realistically, if you've got an entire city, entire planet, which is relatively Earth size, covered by. 5,000 levels of city densely populated, you're going to have like several orders of magnitude more than that. But who do you think was the first Star Wars YouTuber, like in Star Wars, to reach a trillion subscribers? Pod Racer, probably. Or a Jizz Singer. Like, if you think a million subscribers or social media followers really messes up someone in real life like what would a trillion people it's just all gotta be noise at that point i, I know who it would be actually saboba <laughs> you know how they have those like have you ever like googled like how to pronounce something and it's just like a youtube video oh, it'll be like yeah. it'll be like this is how you pronounce gray gray <laughs> so like in star wars it would be a protocol droid who's like made it in a billion different languages it also does make up tutorials for some reason <laughs> Yeah, because, like, I'm pretty sure, like, droids in Star Wars, they often will have, like, boobs for, like, no real reason. Like, that droid has boobs. It's I like mean, a feminine. Like, the... had them for a good reason. I'm well, pretty sure there was one in this who's reason. got hair. And, like, I, she was, like, a server droid. I don't know. I imagine that droid probably had boobs, too. Based on Corey's tweets about uh, Twilex a couple days ago, I'd say Jabba the Hutt runs a cam girl site, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Jabba the Hutt is a uh, fucking um, what's his name? Um, Tate, Andrew Tate. <laughs> <laughs> Jabba the Tate. That actually fits really well. Yeah. Who's who's gonna choke him out though? Someone get that. Someone get a chain to one of those cam girls. He's got fucking <laughs> in prison. <laughs> We can only dream. Well, uh, what ranking would you like to give Dark Disciple, Mister Zach, while you're drinking? I'll ask you. Uh, you know, I before a week ago, I probably would have given it an A based on my memory of the book, but it's a C. I think the ideas that are interesting enough are mm-hmm. interesting, but it does fall apart at the end. Justin, I'm gonna give it a C as well. You're going to give it a C? Yeah, actually, it's close to a B. Um, 
I wish I'd give it like a C plus. If you get that's not the system we've devised, me, I'd be very surprised. Do you want it? Do you want me to list some other B's and C's that you've yes. given out? To yes, that maybe? helps. That always helps. Yes, please. So, Eye of Darkness, you gave a D. Uh, Rebel Stand, you gave a B. Uh, Dark Rendezvous, you gave a C. Princess and the Scoundrel, Edge of Victory, were C's for you. Dark Tide mm -hmm. Ruin, Survivor's Quest was a C. You don't even we don't even remember reading that book together though. No. Uh, Shatterpoint, you gave a B. Um, I'll give it a C then. I don't think it was as good as Shatterpoint. It's like if it had been as good as I wish it was as good as the first was yeah. the first bit was like, that's the thing. Like for me as well, I like if the book was what it was at the start, like if it was just that first third, I'd give it an A or even it'd be a, a strong contender for an S depending yeah, on how totally. the, yeah, on how totally the story agree. went. But it is I'd like it's not the fault of Christy Golden. It's just. I don't well, know whose choice it was to. I don't well, know. Yeah, but like, well, we don't know. It, it could be her fault. As... Yeah, it, yeah. It's the struggle of adapting eight episodes of a TV show for children into a novel for adults. But like, but like I, who's the who said it had to be yeah. all of the content of those episodes getting into the book? No you can have the beginning and the end. You know, it's not like a, a movie novelization where you have to cover the whole plot, like where you have to cover like each beat to some extent. It was we had these movie these episodes and they're not being released. Make a book out of them. Like, did she have the power to make other decisions with that? But the book as it is, with the the opening being so strong and the ending being not good, uh, I think I'm landing at C as well. Well, would you enjoy seeing some kind of on screen adaptation of this story if given the chance, like a ten episode miniseries? Too long. Yeah, I feel like you even in the, the show version, yeah. I'd have, yeah, like we don't need the three captures. Yeah, I, I like there's so many Clone Wars arcs that are already like that. Like, I feel like Dooku was, or like people are captured in that show so goddamn much. Yeah. Also, you know what? I just, one thing that I thought the, the Admiral Enigma bit was so dumb. Yeah. And like, how is Padme surprised to learn the news from Anakin when like Admiral Enigma has been like the big news across the galaxy. Dooku's got a new right hand man. And then uh, it's also the, the one of the worst show... star Wars names. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like they show his face and like, anyway, I don't know. Well, Dooku and Ventress don't seem to recognize Quinlan as a Jedi either. Like he's undercover yeah. so much. Maybe Padme's never heard of him. Maybe no one's heard of him. So it's not like all the that's Jedi true. are. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Maybe she doesn't know. No, because she met him. It says she met him. He he is in the background of the Phantom Menace, which I didn't know until today. He's on yeah. Tatooine. Yeah, and I really I would love to hear a candid explanation of what he was doing there and why. Undercover. Yeah. It's like yeah, which is do they not call? They call the don't they call the Jedi Council? No, they yeah. don't send any kind of transmission. They don't. Out, no. Because okay. they they don't want to get tracked down by the trade federation okay because the jedi council would have been like oh yeah quinlan was there he'll just qui-gon was a pretty prominent jedi wouldn't you think quinlan voss would just like see him across the way and be like what is he doing here <laughs> no he was he was super busy breaking up an illegal fucking pod racing match or some shit like at the beginning well wasn't he just sitting on the on a chair in the street yeah. he, he was in the uh the area with saboba where he was uh, eating wasn't he he's like he was waiting to get like a really good like order of fa and like his number was about to get called he's like i can't oh i'll deal with this in a little they bit just called 33, they were gone. 35 like i can't <laughs> yeah he's at a table with a bunch of people just watching him go by it's jar jar's <laughs> tripping he's not doing anything like a, a definitely qui-gon jinn no biggie <laughs> Oh, another note I had, last note I had was, uh, I think it would have been more interesting if uh, there was more stuff with uh, Ayla, because she yeah. used to be his Padawan. I think that would have been a little bit of an Forgot interesting that. twist. That, that annoyed me too, a little bit, where his uh, he's got his master, I don't remember his name, um, and it I find it annoying how he gets totally blood-raged 
like learning about his master again and again when like again the book should have spent more time setting up their relationship instead of like yeah i get the general idea between master and apprentice and like maybe anakin i guess would do something similar if it was obi-wan but i don't know i just thought the way he like completely fucking loses it was maybe a little silly yeah this was a loss he'd had a lot of time to come to terms with yeah repeatedly and like he's still gonna be upset but the yeah losing control over finding out he'd been lied to about who did it and that being what drives him to the dark side which he did as a ploy to get her to save like the 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 motivation just gets so muddled at the end with all of that. I think the idea is that he's kind of not fully interested into in the Jedi um, idea of like not creating attachments. Yeah. Well, clearly considering the rest of the book. But like, I I think that's a good way of explaining it. The book just doesn't do it yeah. well. Well, it it just tries so hard to be like the mystery must be maintained. To the point that it's not really a mystery; it's just an omission, both in and out of the the book's context. But I wish, um, I, I kind of wish they had spent more time grappling with the fact that, like, th- they lie to each other, but they lie to each other all the time. Um, and like, I really wanted there to be more conflict around the initial lie that, um, Quinlan gives to Asajj because it it's the entire entry point for their relationship um she's really just like oh yeah she's like okay but like she's been used again and again like I really liked actually I mentioned this earlier I really liked her character early on and it does feel like she's someone who's been kind of thrown around by the currents um and it's happening to her again and she's being used like she's used again and again and again and then this person comes and like they break down her walls a little bit, they, they, you know, they find some humanity in her. She opens herself up in response. And then it's a fucking lie again, and he tried to use her again. And like the Jedi Council wanted that, and like that is such an interesting idea. And it's just like in the end, she's like, "It's cool." I was really yeah. disappointed by that yeah. because it's like the foundation for, like, and again, this is like where Lost Stars just handles these ideas so much better because these characters in that book, they have um, conflicts where it's not like, Oh, you tried to force lightning me and I don't like you now, or you lied about the most important thing in the world. It's like, you broke my trust and that means something. And we're not going to talk for 10 years about it. Or like, it's going to change, change our relationship forever. Like we got to read that book soon. It's, it's, it's excellent, but it's just like when you compare it to this, where it's like the same things. It's like it's like enemies to lovers to enemies again to friends. It's where are we landing? That book de- deals with it, <clears throat> where they're being kind of torn apart by the galaxy. This book does it too, just really not very well. You're absolutely right. I think they could have used that um, motivation of like Ventress turning her back on Quinlan as kind of his uh, as another step towards him going towards the dark side and aligning himself with Dooku. Yeah, I, I will say I never cared much for Ventress before this book. the The first third really made me like her as a character quite a bit more, especially like yeah. when she does have those vulnerable moments, because you never really see that in any of the other media she's in. Maybe yeah, no, I you don't really ever see that. The only other time I can think of is in the last couple of the episodes of the Clone Wars she's in, where she's helping Ahsoka. Yeah. Well, even the the last bits of the book, like she just loses all agency really yeah for totally. most of the last third which is one of the reasons that it didn't sit as well with me either because it's like it's a it's an abusive relationship dynamic that they end up having which like kind of makes sense because quinlan's on the dark side and that's just kind of a dark side thing to do and it's not like the book is endorsing what quinlan's doing because clearly she it has a problem with yeah he like he she has a problem with the information being withheld and like he knows how she feels about Dooku. Like, it's not just a guy she doesn't like. It's someone who was, like, would torture her and is just being rude to her right now. But, like, the the fact that it, that never really recovers for them until she sacrifices herself for him, like, it, it just, that is, like, ooh, that's kind of icky. Yeah, I will say as well, the, uh, the, 
I, I like the ending as well, where she does have a bit of agency and the way that the force kind of plays into that, where she has like a vision of she chooses to sacrifice herself. Yeah. She she sees like, okay, I can be a shell of myself or essentially she's like, the force is like, Hey, set up the events of everything else that's going to happen. Um, and she, she chooses to, she chooses to die or so we think. And I think that does also play into her rebirth as well, potentially where she is kind of operating within or with the will of the force in a way. Yeah. She sees all future possibilities, but only one where they make it out alive. So <laughs> Just push him and move yourself. Well, I think that's going to do it for our episode tonight. So thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for joining us, Zach. Any Anything you want to plug? Uh, come check out the X2 stream. That's about to Martin. happen. Yeah, there it is. You're not, Justin's not going to fire you now. <laughs> well, we'll not see. tonight. So, yeah, we're going to be live on X2 with the return of Charlie. He's back from his surgery with many stories to tell, I'm sure. Uh, he doesn't even know what year it is. He got so messed up in that surgery. Yeah, I will, well, no spoilers for that, but that'll come up. So make sure to go and listen to this on youtube.com slash E-C-K-S-T-O-O. Thank you once again for listening and hope to see you next time. Next week, what are we doing? Boba Fett? Boba yeah. Fett where? Boba, Boba Fett 2. Uh, Crossfire. I already know that one. Bye, everyone.